this. All right. Hi, hello, everybody. How the fuck are you? Uh, we're back with another episode of none, none other fucking mentality podcast. I have no idea what else it would be. It's on the platform. Anyway, um, today I have a really interesting guest who uh, I've been following her and her partner for years, and I'm talking years. Um, I've watched their journey. They they you know they started from nothing and they grew this company together. They grew this like really magical um, company that is raw. It's raw and authentic. And that's what drew me to them. Uh, they're very honest about their journey. They're very honest people. They're not about like, oh, it's pretty. It's this. They're just very raw, um, willing to give people education, but they're honest about it. And it's it's very hard to find honest creators and honest artists in this industry. Um, everything I feel like is smoke and mirrors. And the one thing I love about these people is that they're not like this. But this specific person who I have with me today, um, I a, am just honored to have her on the podcast and B, her success has been, I mean, it's just crazy to see people kind of evolve and to and then actually be able to talk to them, you know, be like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to pick her brain. But to watch her and her partner in specific kind of blossom into like these very iconic people in the industry, it's been, it's been so cool. I'm kind of rambling at this point. Either way, why don't you introduce yourself? Who are you? What the hell are we doing? And what's, what's going on? Wow. What an introduction. I'm flattered. What up, fuck it's Maggie, Maggie MH on Instagram. Um, I'm a salon owner. I'm a mother. I'm an entrepreneur. All around bad beach most days. <laughs> um, so talk to me about the, the first question that I have for us today. Um, I got to know, like, how did you start working with Lynn? How did you guys start building this empire? Like, I'm so just enamored by your guys's dynamic like how did that happen like so he, he tells one story he tells one story and I tell another okay. so maybe you can get him on the pot and he can tell yeah, his side, but opposing sides the first time that I met him it was actually when I, I was like kind of fresh out of beauty school and I was at a hair show I can't remember which one I think Orlando premiere or something and he was on stage and I was like, oh my God, that's BC, <laughs> which is so funny now. But oh, he had done this like, <laughs> he had done this like iconic rose gold color. Remember when rose gold was like huge. it? Huge, which what even is that? I don't think anybody even knows still. No. But he'd done this color and he got off stage and I went up to him and I was like, wow, that color you did was really amazing. And he just turned around and ignored me. Little did he know I was his future wife, this motherfucker. <laughs> so later, later on, I had started like, you know, elevating my work and like working really hard and like taking pictures and getting more serious on Instagram. And I entered the One Shot Hair Awards for Platinum in 2017. And I went to that hair show and I ended up winning that award. And then he wanted to pay attention to me. <laughs> And he slid in my DMs and he was like, let's do a collab. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. BC wants to collab with me. And he came to Arizona and there was like nothing between us on my side, at least. I mean, I'm pretty sure he thought I was hot, but, you know, he'll say something else. He'll say it was all professional. It was professional on my end. And he came to collab and it was like the weirdest thing. Like sometimes you really just can't help who you fall in love with. And it happens out of nowhere. It hits you. Like you get hit by a car and you're like, wait, what? I'm in love with this Asian gangster guy 
I guess so. <laughs> so we fell in love and it was all like really fast. And I think that the universe kind of wanted us to be together and the hair industry kind of needed us to be together because from that point forward, we really just like fucking went balls to the walls real hard. And we're, we're really great business partners. Yeah. It's, it's not every day that you guys see, or even in this industry, you see two people in the same industry doing the same thing, but building right? just this, I've always been like, how, the, how do they do it? Like i they're two totally different people, you know, like you guys to offer two totally different things and to see fan house and how fan house. I mean, I remember when fan house plus launched, I remember when fan house launched, I re I literally, it's crazy. Like you I know really? all these things about you. And I remember like all of these like milestones, um, about fan house and about you two to, to hear like how it just kind of like happened like there wasn't like a I hate to say there's not like some magical story behind it but it was just like the universe was like here you go hey here's this here's this person here you go like that's that like it wasn't even like a I don't I don't know how to explain it I don't I hate to say I was expecting something different but I was I was expecting something totally different what are you expecting maybe you guys like work together and you guys like grew together like that but it was you oh. the show he ignored you you won an award. He remembered you. You guys flew out. Next thing you know, you're in love. You build a huge company and here we are. Yeah, I, it's it's really crazy. I mean, we were we were supposed to be together, too, because like the type of personality that I have and the type of personality that he has, like being with somebody that does that isn't in the hair industry just wouldn't work because that's all I talk about. That's all I live for. That's all I do. And sometimes I feel like hairstyles, I talk to a lot of hairstyles and I feel like people sometimes struggle in their relationships when they're with somebody that doesn't understand the hair industry. And it just wouldn't work for me. Like people that are like, oh, well, what do you mean? You're not going to be home in an hour. Like, or you don't know when you're going to be home. Like, I don't know what's going to happen to this hair. I can't tell you when I'm going to be home. Mm -hmm. So just having somebody that understands and is passionate about the same thing, like my bio says hair is my religion. And that's just, it's so true. Like I just live, breathe this industry. So I need somebody that is the same. So I, I kind of want to take a, a quick step back. I wanted to ask you this. So what made you get in, in the industry in the first place? So I am one of seven children, wow. six of the children girls. And I was actually a super tomboy growing up, which I still kind of am, but I was always very artistic. Like everyone in my family is super artsy, always got horrible grades in school, but had A plus in art. It's just, it's always been my thing. And as I got older and got more into like beauty and seeing my older sister in like her mini shirt and her zebra striped hair, listening to NSYNC, I was like, wow, that shit's fire. And I vividly remember like the first time I learned how to do a braid. I've told this story before, but I was on the bus and I was wearing like this hot pink windbreaker with like these striped strings on it. And I remember like looking down and just playing with the strings. And it was the first time I did like a three strand braid. So braiding is what pushed me in into beauty school, braiding and styling. I thought I wanted to be a... Um, like an editorial stylist, like only styling, never wanted to do color, never wanted to do cuts, which is funny because I'm pretty much a color specialist at this point. But when you're in beauty school, it's like color is so by the book. And then when I left, I realized that it, it could be like 
an artistic thing and I started to understand color theory color really took off for me so I've, I've always been destined to do something artistic there's no other option for me like I gotta use my hands I gotta be artsy I'm just all around creative meant to be that's really interesting just because I feel I mean personally this is just my struggle but as someone who is has always been also artistic and a painter at heart you know just really I love art it, fuck hair I mean I love hair don't get me wrong but like the the root of all of it is is rudimentary <laughs> art you know color theory and, it how is. and how you view it and whatever um I find it so um I guess refreshing to see someone who is also very very artistic but also business savvy like you're you're business smart like you've created this very strong foundation um that's about numbers and about business so that kind of brings me to my next question can you talk about salon ownership like what has that journey been like for you like how has fan house I guess maybe changed the industry for you I've always been an entrepreneur since I was young. And I think that comes from just growing up in a poor family and needing to like make it on my own. I opened my first business when I was like 10 years old or something. It was Maggie's Munchies and then Maggie's Baggies, which both sound like drug companies. I love it. <laughs> but Maggie's Baggies was um, like little bags that would fit people's like Bibles in them and shit because I grew up Mormon, which is weird, but... How did you read yeah, it? I grew up, yeah, what? dude, I grew up LDS, which you would never guess now. No. Um, yeah. And then Maggie's Munchies was like a baking company. So I've always had that like drive for business for sure. I've always been an entrepreneur and independent person. And then I don't know, salon ownership came from my love for people. I've always love people and like training people and when I got my first assistant that's when I realized that I loved mentoring people it's something that just like feeds me so eventually I started having you know like training assistants and then okay well where are you gonna go like I want you to stay with me but like you know how many people can we fit in a suite and that's when I decided to open my first salon which was eight chairs and then that was during the pandemic and I had a business partner and that did not end well but we live and we learn. And then we also opened Fan House during the pandemic. But being a salon owner, especially these days, is you can't be in it for money. Because to be quite frank, there is none unless you have a Turnamon Burnham commission salon, which is great and a great business model, but it's not something that would make me happy. So you you have to love people you have to care about people and it's it's really hard you know because sometimes you care about people more than they care about you especially when you're like the person that owns the business and it's hard to accept also that no one will fight for your dreams as hard as you will and no one will be as passionate about your company as as you will ever and in the beginning you kind of expect people to like feel the same and have like the same drive and the same dream and the same vision but that's that's not always the case. So salon ownership is really complicated and it's it's a learning journey. So I've I've been a salon owner for three, five, almost six years now. And yeah, I'm still still learning every day. I'll never open another one. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, what what made you guys open Fan House? 
It was in the, it was during the pandemic when things were really crazy. And we we had just um, launched Fan House Plus, which is a whole other crazy story. But Lynn had his salon on the East Coast. Yes. Um, BC and Studio. Uh-huh. He was traveling there. And then I had my salon, Moxie, and I was outgrowing that place very, Moxie. very quickly. That's what it was. That's right. My, yeah, yes. my baby. Um, my dad actually named that salon Moxie. It's cute. Um, but we kind of just realized that we he was working at another salon and I was working at Moxie. And we just wanted to work together because we really liked to collab at the beginning. We were always working together. And me outgrowing that space with my previous business partner kind of pushed me to do something bigger. And that's kind of how Fan House happened. And it's the biggest salon I've ever owned. It's 4,000 square feet. It's a lot. Yeah. Taking on or like that, signing like a huge lease and big rent responsibility in the middle of a pandemic was a huge risk, but I always like to jump off the edge because I know I'll make it. The bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. Pretty much. What's how? What's the size of Fan House now? Like, well, how many? How many like chairs? Like, what does it look like? What's talk about that? So, Fan House is two stories, and how many stations do we have? We have like twenty five. Yeah, Jesus, twenty five. Yeah. We have a nail tech now, my little sister. Um, I think, I can't remember how many people are working here right now, but around 30. Wow. So is it, Big is, is it like a, like a mix of like assistants and then stylists and then like other yeah. services? Okay. Mix of assistants and stylists and it's a, it's a rental salon. So everybody rents their chair. There's some part-time people um lots of assistance a few commission stylists we usually just do commission to help people get off their feet some day rate people if you want to roll through lisa oh yeah come on down surprise Let's party. <laughs> <laughs> fan house is really interesting salon though because in arizona there's like the super edgy people and then like the boho blonde people mm-hmm. and those like categories of hairstylists tend to stay away from each other there's like different groups of different kinds of stylists. There's like posses, you know, it's like high school in this beach. But I'm a blonding specialist as well as a creative colorist. And Lynn is like a very creative, edgy colorist. So Fan House, I feel like merged those two families together. And we have like a really interesting, fun, everybody's welcome unless you're a dumb bitch dynamic. So it's a great place to be. Everybody's welcome unless you're a dumb bitch. That should be like printed on a plaque and put in like yeah. the front, like threshold of your of your salon. Oh my god. Um the door if you're a dumb <laughs> No dumb bitches allowed. If you're not one to win, please exit the premises. I I love that. Um I feel yeah, I, I could kind of see like that vibe too, because I've I've seen like other stylists that that work at Fan House. And yeah, it's a very eclectic group of it's not just like one walk of life it's very like it's art it's art driven i mean at the end of the day it's art driven it's all about artists and artists being creative also no bullshit yeah bullshit welcome but i always say it's not a salon it's an art studio okay it's definitely fan house is not like a high-end super aesthetic expensive immaculately clean place Mm-hmm. And that's all fine and good if that's like the kind of place that you want. But 
this place is an art studio. It's chaotic. It's messy. It's fun. There's color everywhere. There's different types of people. There's always crazy projects going on. Somebody's always in the way, but that's how we thrive. It just artists being artists, man. There's not a goddamn thing yeah. wrong. Yeah. And when people talk about salons and like opening salons and like advice on that, they always like talk about the interior design and like, you know, Penthouse is aesthetically pleasing and it is important, but I always tell people it doesn't matter how your salon looks. It matters how your salon feels. Mm -hmm. If you can make it feel good and you can create a culture, then you'll be able to have a good space where people feel comfortable, where people want to be, not where people can't wait to clock out. Right. How, um, I would totally lost my train of thought. Oh, this is totally a side note question. Um, so I don't know if you saw this, so I'm really glad that we're talking about this, about art, about artists, art, being artists and art and whatever. Um, have you seen the, the TikTok that was about a, a woman saying that, um, uh, being hairstylist does not require artistic ability? No, I didn't see oh, that. Oh shit. I got to send it to you. Um, it was, it was a TikTok basically saying like that our jobs don't require being an artist all the time and she was like, oh, I, I, I forget who it is she's uh she's in she's on the east coast um i'll send it to you though because as someone who is also is just as passionate and is like it's just it's an art studio that's why it's lg studios i own a salon called lg studios it's not a hair salon it's just art it's meant to be uh treated as such it's not like the stuffy like uppity you know, everything's perfectly clean and aesthetic and whatever. It's about like what comes out of there. It's not about like the building itself. Yeah. Well, there's, there's cosmetologists. Yeah. And there's hair artists, and there's hair artists. Yeah. Those are the different. And that woman sounds like a cosmetologist. She has her license. It's not about art. It's about making money and like talking to people all day, which is great. And then there's the hairstylist that's in the middle you know, kind of doing both, living for other things on the side. And then there's the hair artist, the person that was born to do this, the person that is hardcore into it, that lives and breathes it because it is an art. Just because it's attached to a person doesn't mean it's not art. Like somebody that paints a canvas is their art, clay, pottery, it's working with your hands. It's just a different substance and it happens to grow out of somebody's head, which is pretty funny if you think about it. But yeah, hair is art. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna crack up because the rant that I went on is exactly verbatim what you just said. Like, there's different categories. It's oh. not. It doesn't make them better or worse. It's just there's categories. There's levels to this shit. You can be yeah, or you can be that. But they all can live in the same field. But don't you dare say that we're not artists. No, definitely not. And people people that have to say something like that are definitely feeling some type of way. Like. You know, she probably wishes that she was an artist, but she's not. So she should just stay in her lane, get I off TikTok. Like a little, it felt a little projectory, you know, like projection. Are you upset that you can't do these things? I'll leave a little comment. What's that? I said, send me that TikTok. I'll leave a little comment. Maybe I'll get banned for the fifth time on TikTok. <laughs> hey, you know, it's all for good reason, right? Uh huh. Exactly. It's all for the fam. Yeah, it's all for the fam. Um, so you work with Schwarzkopf, correct? Correct. Yes. So I will, let's, uh, let's, 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 let's take a quick step back. So I've always, hear me out. I've always idolized working with big brands. I've always, I've always thought, um, it was my dream, you know, just me in particular. 
And I've always thought it was like a lot of fun. And I, I felt like it was my next step. But unfortunately, that journey, I'm I'm done with it. I fuck it. I don't want to do, I'm not about big brands okay. anymore. Um, and it's just because of I'm I think I'm just healing from some shit, you know, that's happened in the past. Um, I still work with brands now, like I love K18, I love Pelor, I love you know Donna Bella, but Sourcecoff is massive. Now, as someone who is as passionate as you are, I really, really value that Sourcecoff values you. Um, because you are a loud and proud artist. And I feel this might be a little touchy, but not everybody in the industry values that with big brands. So what's it like for you working with a bigger brand and how has that helped your career in Schwarzkopf in specific? I personally love working with Schwarzkopf. They're, they're my favorite brand ever. I can't see myself with anybody else. I don't care. Like, how much money any other brand ever threw at me. Like I would, I would never leave because it's not about money. And what I love about Schwarzkopf in particular is that to me, yeah, it's this massive brand. It's been around for like 200 years. It's like the top color in the world, but it doesn't feel like that to me when I'm with them. It feels I've never, I've worked with a lot of companies and they're all really amazing but there's something so palpable about the creative environment that Schwarzkopf has to offer. Their value of the artistry is so intense. It's never just about like pushing product or just getting campaigns out or like whatever, just like making money. Like their saying is together a passion for hair. That's the Schwarzkopf tagline. I have it on the wall downstairs at my salon, but I can't remember the last time I went to a Schwarzkopf event or a Schwarzkopf photo shoot where I didn't cry because I was so happy to be around the people I was around and to be experiencing the things that I experienced. And they're kind of like Fan House in the way that they've merged the culture of hair. Like they're so edgy, but so refined and amazing. And also their product performs at an extremely high level so for me I can't really I can't picture myself anywhere else I'm wearing the the Schwarzkopf pro shirt right now repping my fam but yeah it's not about money for me it's about representing a brand that produces a product that actually works that comes from a company that actually cares and they're just incredibly artistic which is what I live for and all of their top people that they have Tyler Johnson Leslie Jennison like these people aren't playing games and I've never met a more passionate group of hairstylists in my life. What, how did you get started with them? So <clears throat> Lynn worked for Schwarzkopf when he met me and I had started using them and then they started to pay more attention to me as I got more popular on social media. And I was like, obsessed with them tagging them all the time I worked for them for free for a year because I was like I'll do anything I'll sweep the floor I'll do whatever I'll film whatever video you need like I want to be involved in this culture and I think I'm, I'm definitely one of the youngest artists they've ever signed and I've been with them for a long time but I basically just decided that it was the company that I wanted to work with and I would stop at nothing to get their attention and to prove to them that I deserve to be there. And I did it. And here we are now. 
I, what'd uh, you say? I said, and here we are now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, um, I, yeah, I saw like not long ago, you guys did this like massive blonding camp campaign. Am I wrong? Or yes. I mean, uh -huh. there's a people that I knew that were there. And I, I remember seeing that and being like, damn, I can't wait to yeah. find uh, a company that makes me feel like that, you know? Yeah. And this will, this will, this will make you happy. So Schwarzkopf is such a big company, but they're so artist focused. Like, the campaigns that we do, like One Nation Under Blonde, Generational Blondes, um, the Level 10 shoot. And then we have another really exciting one coming up that I'm not allowed to say yet, but you guys will see it soon. I, I'm i actually the campaign director for Schwarzkopf. So I'm the wow. creative director of, yeah, of the campaign. So all of those campaigns that you guys have seen, I basically plan those from the bottom up, the models, the concept, the name. And I've never been to college. I don't know, like, the corporate shit but they trust the artist so much that they basically come to me and they give me this massive insane budget like money that you like can't even understand and they say make it happen this is what we're coming out with figure something out here you go wow which the first an insane amount of pressure but planning campaigns and creative directing is is definitely where my path is like taking me right now mm -hmm. and there's some exciting things coming out and I'm, I'm really excited but the Schwarzkopf is cool because behind all these things is is really just hairstylists right it's hairstylists being in, in in charge of what they should be you know exactly instead of like a yeah like a corporate person kind of guiding the whole thing but they don't I mean like corporate doesn't know you know it, it should be artistry focused it should be artist focused it should be a stylist who who's had yeah. like, in the game directing this thing because you're catering to stylists. You're not catering to the public. You're trying to cater to us. Exactly. Yeah. That's, I don't know of any other company that that either. So I love them. Yeah. I I can't say I've ever heard someone talk about a brand like this. So this is it's very refreshing. Yeah, um, I'll get a Schwarzkopf tattoo. They <laughs> <laughs> say so you know you'll have sorts like a whole Schwarzkopf sleeve. I'll do it. Let's go. Um, that's uh, so this is like a random side note. Does Lynn still take, do you guys, okay, let me backtrack. Do both of you guys still take people regularly behind the chair? No, uh, -uh. we okay. stopped doing that. Uh, I think like a year and a half ago, I was taking on like new roles with Schwarzkopf. We were traveling a lot, teaching, um, putting on events, doing all of this stuff. And I also have a seven-year-old child. So I was wearing like way too many hats yeah. and sometimes you know I'm not somebody that likes to like give up on anything that I'm doing ever but sometimes you like you have so many things that you're doing and so many different areas that you're focusing on that you're not even giving like 50% to any of those so you're doing a lot while doing nothing at all right. you're confusing motion with progress right so that's what I was doing. And I got to a point where I was like, okay, I have to let something go. Like, what is it going to be? And I decided to let go of taking clients so that I could focus on other things and pursue the other stuff that we have going on. And it's been really beneficial for me. Um, recently I learned you had a child. I had no idea you had a tiny human and I do. I let alone a seven-year-old. Um, but when I learned that I was like, holy shit. Homegirl 
is, you know, creating this business and doing Fanos Plus and like the podcast and like creative shoots and like all these things. I'm like, how the hell does she do it all? I was like, there's no way in hell she takes clients. Like, half, there's no fucking way she does. No, I cannot. That would not be good. So that that kind of brings me into uh, my my fourth question says you're successful as fuck. Yes, I would I would say that you're success it's successful as fuck. Success looks different to everybody, but I would say that you are probably one of the most influential artists that I know and that I've been following for years like I said you and Lynn both. Um but now you like you don't take clients, right? So it, it's something that is really crucial in our industry. Like you take clients and you can go behind the chair and like, that's what it's like to be a hairdresser, but now you don't. So with now knowing that, do you ever experience any like imposter syndrome, you know, now that like everything has shifted for you? Yeah, I experience imposter syndrome all the time and stopping taking clients was really scary. You know, that's like over six figure income, like just being like, oh, I'm going to let that go and like really chase after the other stuff that we have going on. But I think that anybody said anybody that says that they don't have, have imposter syndrome that is at like whatever level of success you consider success is just lying. <laughs> I don't wake up every day feeling super confident about everything that's going on. I'm scared a lot of the time, but I feel uncomfortable when I'm not scared. Like I feel uncomfortable being comfortable. Right. I have relaxation induced anxiety, says my doctor. <laughs> but I think that when you expect yourself to feel confident all the time and to never have imposter syndrome, you're kind of going to dig yourself into like a place where you are like self-deprecating all the time, which is not productive. So whenever I feel those kinds of things, I just let myself sit in it and the next day is a new day. But yeah, am I confident all the time? Absolutely not. Do I experience imposter syndrome? Yes, I'm a human being. It's not easy. It's risky. It's scary. Ups and downs. But this is the the wave that I'm riding. Right. It's it's really important to find peace in it. Find peace in the chaos, you know, because it you can either be really really afraid and you can continue to live in this vicious cycle of of pity and self doubt and whatever the case may be. Or you can wake up and you can say, okay, I know I made the right decision. How am I going to make sure that this is the right decision that I made? That's kind of how I look at everything. It's like, whether you think it's right or wrong, it's it's right to me. I and mean, that's what matters is, does it feel good to yeah. me? You know, and how does that continue yeah. to align with my next step? Yeah. Developing a relationship of trust with yourself is important. Like you always talk about like trusting other people and this, that, or the other, but like, what about you? Right. Like, who are you, the person that you trust yourself? Because I, I do. I trust myself. So even when I'm doubting things or I'm afraid, I always remember that I trust the decisions that I make. Right. So trusting yourself is a good way. Like, I mean, it's it's not an easy thing to accomplish. Like, and it's not like always there. It fluctuates. But having trust in yourself and your decisions will help you move forward, even on the days that you don't feel confident or you don't feel like yourself. Because you made those decisions at a time where you did feel that way. So don't forget that. The wise words of Maggie, listen to her. <laughs> listen the fuck up. Um, with, oh, I lost my train of thought. Fuck! Oh, what are some things that you do that help you with like your creativity? So, you know, being a creative is is exhausting. You know, and 
I don't know if you've been diagnosed with this. I have ADHD. And some days I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. My like, shut up. Like my brain just shut up, you know, but how do you, <laughs> last night I was literally doing it. Like I was, I was so exhausted. It was up to like 1am, like doing content and doing all that stuff. And I'm exhausted. I'm laying in bed and I'm talking to myself and like, so shut up, like brain, just stop, stop it, please. Just quiet down. Um, what are, what, what are some things that you do to kind of keep, keep those creative juices flowing? Like how, I feel like you've done a lot of really big, 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 big projects. So where do you find that creativity? Um, I think that every artistic person probably has some degree of ADHD or ADD. And I think that it, it comes with the creativity. And for me, I look at creativity almost as a friend. Like it's not something that you should take for granted. And it's something that can leave you whenever it wants to. So if you don't nurture it and take care of it, it's not gonna, it's not gonna just be there at your call. It's, it's like, I don't want to say like a God-given gift, but it kind of is. is. And nobody understands where it comes from or why, but you need to take care of it. It's like a plant. You got to water it. You got to take care of it. It's not just going to show up at the snap of your fingers. So if you're in a rut and you don't feel creative, that's probably because you're not taking care of your creative soul and that's your fault. So getting rid of things that like don't matter, especially like, stupid friends or like toxic relationships or like whatever it is those are all things that are going to block your creativity and I also find that when I'm doing a lot of the stuff that I'm supposed to do and not the stuff that I want to do that's when I don't feel creative so whenever I'm in like a burnout I just let myself like sit in it and realize that there's something else going on that I need to take care of to get my creative friend to come back to me so do something that you love. Maybe it's not even hair, like try knitting, try painting, try doing something else creative to get those juices flowing again. And again, it's an ebb and flow. Don't expect it to show up all the time at 100 because that's that's not how it is. It's it's a mysterious gift and it's it's difficult to have, but it's the best thing in the world. You just got to take care of it. Like I and said don't expect it to show up. Yeah, I like how you say it's a mysterious gift because it is. It's kind of hard to explain to people who are not creative. Like, where does it come from and how does it work and how do you do it? And it's like, I don't know. I just kind of is. Um, no, creative people run the world. We're, we're extremely powerful. Yeah. If we put our heads together, we can fucking start a war. A good one, though. Not a bad one. <laughs> a what? A hair war. A hair war, yes. Um, but what do you do in specific though? Like, do you like me? Per, like, one of the things that I do is I, I like to get lost. So I will get in my car. I'll have my phone with me, obviously. Um, and I just start driving and I just, I just drive places. And then sometimes I end up really cool places. Sometimes a little sketchy. It really doesn't matter though. But well, like I, when I do that, there's something about like letting go of all control and just ending up somewhere. And there's something like, there's something, there's always something beautiful about where you end up, right? So what, like, what's something like that you, you do that maybe is unconventional or is bizarre or bizarre, that's a subjective term, but regardless, like what's something that you do? Well, first I just want to say that that story is like super awesome and nostalgic for me because my father is the most creative motherfucker on the planet. Like he can draw like a computer. He can literally do anything. He's 
insanely artistic. And what we would do when we were kids is we would go for something called a mystery trip. And my dad would just put us all in the car. And it was whenever I'm sure whenever he was in a creative rut or whatever, and he was just trying to spend time with his kids. So he'd put us all in the car and literally he would just start driving and we would say left, right. Yeah. So it's called a mystery trip. So that's, that's what you're doing. That is, yeah, you're going on. I love that. Some of the, some of the best memories from my childhood are going on these mystery trips with my dad and with all my siblings, just calling out left, right, stop, keep going. So I'm glad that you go on your mystery trips. That's, that's super helpful. I love that story. Yeah. Um, but for me personally, I feel like to get myself out of a creative rut or a burnout, I like to help somebody like another hairstylist, like do another project with them or like help them with something that they have going on. I think it's like the 12th step in the 12th step program for like AA is like okay. help another alcoholic something and it helps you heal I think the same thing applies to to creativity and to hairstylists like the beauty of helping somebody else and like reigniting your passion and feeling like you did something for somebody I think that that that's that's what really helps me get back into my creative flow is seeing somebody else be creative and almost feeding off of their energetic soul their creative soul like getting a little bit of it from them so it's unselfish and it's selfish at the same time because I want to be exposed to that person's passion and that person's like creative friend to bring mine back to. Well, it, it's like a way of um, it's energy transfers, you know, like sometimes you need someone else's energy to kind of pull you back out. I mean, that's the whole the whole uh, like argument. People say you can't heal in a relationship, but you you should be healing in a relationship. You should allow someone else's energy to help you heal and pull you out of the darkness. You know, don't completely rely on it, but that's that's like the beauty of evolution, right? Like that's the beauty of creating genuine yeah. is if you're feeding off of someone else's creative energy, ultimately you guys are helping each other because your creative friends, yeah. are you're, they're yeah. bound to each other. So that's, yeah, that is a selfish, selfless, selfish, selfless thing to do. Yeah. Energy is, is, you know, it's contagious. Like if somebody else feels anxiety, you can feel that person's anxiety or if somebody's scared, you can feel that that person's scared. It's not like some, you know, like thing that's not real, like energy is real and you can use it to your advantage. Something that I want to leave all of our viewers or our listeners with to bounce off what she's saying. If you ever find yourself in a position where the the creative quote unquote that you're working with or around or whatever is not in tune with you in that, in that regard, remove yourself from the situation because that is what we call an energy sucker. And you can be consciously always aware of other people's energies. You can be so in tune with yourself. You can feel other people's energies and vibes and whatever. But the moment that they don't and they don't understand that and they don't understand the the, the creative transfer, it's never going to work. It's, it's forcing a square peg in a circle hole. And it kind of goes back to that debate. There's artists and there's hairdressers. And there's nothing wrong with the two of them. They both can live on the same planet. But I promise to God, artists cannot work with hairdressers and hairdressers cannot work with artists. It's Good true. It... Preach, sis. Preach. Maggie, I value the hell out of you. And I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this interview. Um, I have a thousand eighty-five million and two questions left, but we'll save that for a rainy <laughs> day. Um, but 
you are very, very big on your stories to talk about advice and to be open and honest with people who are asking you questions. So I ask you to leave with our audience today a piece of advice that has really stuck out to you or something that has really like hit you down to the core that you feel like everybody should know. I mean, it's something that you hear over and over again, but you hear it for a reason. Like you have to work hard. Like it is what it is. And I feel like people's definition of working hard today is not what working hard actually is, but people say they want all these things and they want all the success and they want to make money and they want to be comfortable and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, okay, well, you're going to have to work really, really hard, even on the days that you don't want to, even on the days that you're broke, you have to like believe in your dreams, no matter what, and trust yourself and, you know, have your priorities straight. I see people that, you know, I listen, people will be like, oh, well, I'm not doing good financially or like I want this and I want that. And I'm like, okay, I'm listening. And then later on their stories on Instagram, I see them out buying drinks and like going on trips and like doing this, that and the other. Like, yeah, live your life. You only have one life. Okay, well, that doesn't align with being successful and the things that you want. So if you really want those things, you might have to give up the bachelorette party. You might have to give up buying all those fancy fucking clothes and driving that stupid car and buying fucking $15 drinks every single weekend. Like, what is that doing for you? So walk the walk, baby. Put your head down and work hard. It's all about, and that's, that's kind of like the main, the main point of the fucking mentality is to kind of glory, to to take away the glorification about being an entrepreneur. I know everybody loves being an entrepreneur. Being self-made is incredible and it's so much fun, whatever. But no one likes to talk about the journey to get there because everyone likes to see the success, right? Like everybody just loves like fancy cars, the trips, the that, 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 that. But like, why aren't, why don't we celebrate the journey to get there? Because it's some hard goddamn work. It's blood, sweat, tears over and over and over and over and over again. And it's not to say that hustle culture is toxic because it, it can be, don't get me wrong. But the toxicity comes from these unrealistic things. You know, you want success, but you don't discipline yourself. Awesome. That's fucking unrealistic. You know, you're not going to build this empire that you're talking about if you keep going out and being a jackass. You know, so the... the I, think, go ahead. I think when people say hustle culture is like toxic or what did you say? Toxic hustle? It, no. To- the what toxic, did you say? Yeah, the toxicity in hustle culture. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking bullshit. Yeah. Whenever... Anybody that's saying that is just somebody that tried and couldn't do it or wishes that they could do it and wants to like, it's like the cosmetologist versus the hair artist. Like, shut up. If you were working and you were busy on your dreams, you wouldn't have time to think about somebody else's toxic hustle culture. You don't have to do it if you don't want to, but don't put down people that... (laughs) I fell into that, that, that small little gap for like a little bit um of like oh hustle 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 culture is toxic mind you i've been busting my ass since i was fucking born you know but for a brief second i allowed myself to be like you know what hustle hustle culture is toxic despite the fact that i preach about it like oh hustle culture i love it though whatever for a brief second i found myself like damn i'm just being a salty ass bitch right now it has nothing to do with the fact that i think it's called it's toxic i'm just salty as hell you know so i (laughs) for a little bit and I soon realized that, you know, hustle culture is exactly what you make of it. If you decide to put your head down and grind it the fuck out, awesome. If you don't, so be it. But you can't say it's toxic. It's all about how you achieve it and what your gut, your, how, how hungry are you 
to actually want to achieve these goals, but also how humble are you enough to ask questions and to, to surround yourself with people who are going to lift you up? It's not about being alone. It's not about getting to the top alone. It's about building a fucking empire while you're doing it. That's the point. Ah, oh, I can talk yeah, about days. Um, yeah, I could go on. I know. I don't want to get canceled. <laughs> oh yeah, I know you could. That's why we should have another podcast episode to talk about other things. But we should. We, we should. I. Why my goal with the with the mentality fucking mentality is to have uh people like yourself on here multiple times to talk about just different topics and um to really dissect and dig deep with that kind of stuff. But I know we're running out of time. I uh Maggie, thank you so fucking much for coming on today. Um guys, if you don't know who this is, I highly suggest you make yourself aware. Um, I'm gonna have all her all her links in her bio in the description below. Check her out. Check out Fan House. Check out Fan House Plus. Check out Lynn. Check out her. Uh, just check out the whole, the mantra, like the, the culture that she's created. It's been very inspirational for me in my career. Um, and it, it's just cool to talk to somebody who has been influential in my career for years. Um, and it the, the point of this podcast, too, is to kind of bring some community to Maggie's a big creator, right? She's big in the industry. She's a big individual, but she's not big and she's not big enough to to not talk to us to not talk to to the people that want to know you know um so of course guys give her a follow reach out to her ask her questions ask myself questions ask fucking anybody that you aspire to be questions okay um thank you all so much for listening 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 i hope everybody has a great day go fucking grind it out guys